You get yourself a Deep Space Nine podcast. Oh yeah. You build a base of listeners who love the original show dearly. Oh yeah. You finally get to a fan favorite that has current social importance. Oh yeah. It's time for Hugh and James to shit all over their concept and look silly. Hello and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition, a podcast where we will be going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, but maybe you already know that, because we're in uh, talking about the second part of a two-parter about where we're going today in (laughs) Trump's, uh, oh, sorry, oh, do we have alt-right listeners? Well, fuck you. Um, anyway, yeah. I'm gonna piss him off later. Anyway, yeah, so. yeah. Uh, I got a I got a wonderful meme of a guy getting punched to show you. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> uh, what are we talking about? We're talking about Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, the greatest. Yeah, it's the best. And we're talking about, like I said, a second part of a two-parter called Past Tense Part Two. Uh, with me, as always, is James Nolan. Forgot that bit. Hey guys. And also Hugh Crawford. Hey, what's going on? Oh, I'm, you know, stuff. That that good, huh? Very topical things that I could tell you exactly about that happened this week. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely this week. You know that thing. Uh, but what episode is this? What happened in this one? Okay, yeah. <laughs> this is Past Tense Part 2. It's the second part of a two-parter. This episode aired January 9th, 1995. The IMDb description is as follows. Cisco is forced to take the place of a key historical figure on Earth in 2024 in order to preserve the timeline. This one is directed by Jonathan Frakes as well. So, yep. Yeah, Jonathan uh, Frakes has been uh, making a lot of these. I, I have this story in my head where he's got he's accrued gambling debts. Maybe he went hard for the Buffalo Bills to win the 94 Super Bowl. And so he has to like... Uh, <laughs> right. Well, if you ask me, it's... He's really trying to build up his reel for directing so that he can do a movie later on. Yeah. Called He did. He got insurrection, right? Yeah. No, he got first, first contact, contact too, him. Didn't? Yeah, the best of the TNG movies by all accounts. I'll allow that. Yeah, it, it is. It's yeah. definitely the best of the TNG movies. <laughs> right. Uh, it's uh, pretty much the best. It's the best one. <laughs> of all, of all, all the mo- I, of, I think of all ty- movies? Yeah, I think I think First Contact is the one that's, that holds up the best over time. Of the TNG ones? No, of all of them. Uh, you're going to get some Wrath of Khan fights. Whose who's opinions there. do not reflect the... And, <laughs> no, I think... No, I know. <laughs> eh, nah. You think... Khan is all about nostalgia, <laughs> and it's just... Yeah. <laughs> Hey, uh, 917-408-3898, if you disagree, like I do. I like Khan and, well, we've covered this ground. In the past. Okay, yes. Speaking of the past, we're in... Speaking of, that's a nice segue. <laughs> yeah, or 2024, a very 90s 2024. Uh, last episode, you already know where that we are because of teleport shenanigans right transporter yeah yeah we're yeah well, all the stuff yeah so here we are yeah cisco has taken the mantle we of, got hostages in a in a processing center yes and a guy pretending to be gabriel bell yes yeah and again this is a sequence that people like to reference this one in relation to uh trump's america yeah i mean i yeah we talked a lot about that in this sort of you know, I don't know, like in a lot of ways, this was 
just sort of the continuation of a one, you know, it's a two-parter. Yeah. And so there's not like a lot of the sort of themes that were started in that were carried out here. So, yeah, I mean, so where you thought it was going last week, that's where it <laughs> <Yeah>. goes. <laughs> so what you're saying is we don't have a lot of preamble about like the setting, setting up this episode like we might usually do because we did that last week. You know what the fuck we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, I one thing that came to me that I guess that I, I thought that could have occurred to me last week and didn't occur to me this week is that I don't get I don't get ghosts uh, like I, I get the gimmies. There's someone that wants work. And I, I get that. That's like a that's a common enough understanding in daily life. And I get dims or people that need mental health care. So and that's the real where homeless people come from. See, that's but ghosts are are what the fuck are ghosts? Are they? Th- gangs? That's the realization. That's a realization I had watching it today. Ghosts. Right. What, do, what the I, hell, I man? Ghosts I, are the alt right. I know what it is. <laughs> they're the, they're they're like okay. no, no, yeah, but I, I, I don't care for shit. Let's just watch the whole thing burn. No, these are the but, people who are trying. I, they call them ghosts because they're trying to. Di- Bashir says this in when he explains when the lady. The lady who's got the sugar, you know, she's got yeah, the... Yeah, yeah, she's got the sugar, actually. <laughs> well, she's hypoglycemic. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so he's explaining what... I mean, that's what it is, is. You get in trouble, and you don't give your role... You're like a ghost. You're like somebody who doesn't exist because you're, you're running from something. Oh, that's... And that's why you have a criminal element to it. And that's why Bashir gave that generic backstory. He was trying to telegraph to the lady she was a ghost. And that's when it dawned on me. I'm like, oh, that's... She... You know, that's why they call them ghosts. The criminals are ghosts. Because it's a common thing where you show up to the processing center, they show, you don't give yeah. them a real name, right? But and, they show and that just... specifically it's like Har- But all that they, everyone they showed is specifically like Harvey Keitel from Taxi Driver. They're just thugs or gangsters or pimps or what what you would associate with the criminal element of a city. See, but yeah. they call themselves ghosts, like they're a designation. Well, somebody called it, and they they owned it. They took the name. But, that's like Magneto calling his group the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. I don't understand. Well, they they wouldn't self-identify that I, Well, you get called enough. That's why gangsters, uh, gang members and stuff like that, look at themselves as soldiers or entrepreneurs because they are members of a drug trade well, or enforcers for members of a drug the, trade. The I way I saw it, like... Be self-identify s- themselves. Well, whatever they call themselves and whether they're appropriating a term or anything... I feel like is irrelevant. Like BC, who the actor that plays him has honestly the great greatest name, Frank Military is the guy. The that, actor's name is yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Frank Military <laughs> yes. plays BC, the ghost, the fedora mafia. You know. Yeah. You yeah. Know, yeah. Pepe. The, Pepe. There. He's he's Pepe. Yeah. Except they're with. He's not quite as racist as like our new. Uh, that's another thing. Not well. He he calls him boy. He calls him he boy. Calls Cisco boy. Yeah, but that's just that's codifying. And, that's not actually like I think that's the writer sending that impression to you. Yeah. I don't think that he's being. I don't think that right that in the plot. He's yeah, like being Cisco right. notices it for sure when he's called boy. But like mm-hmm. the character is not like, oh, I don't want to talk to you. You're black. He's just like, hey, what's up, new boy? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, so he's, they're like he's just as mean towards the white dad. Right. there you yeah. know too yeah that's my thing is that i don't like it really at some point i thought i mean he's, he's the greatest he's trump's he's him. trump's america man he's the no, people but that are he's the people that are but that's but that's projecting on him because he's got a fedora i'm saying no that, no 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 I, I well it's not because he's like oh people don't i just want to watch the world burn i'll vote for this guy even though i know he's going to be bad for people that are he doesn't see any outs so he's just like well fuck it 
I can't find a job. I can't do anything. I'm just going to fuck shit up. I don't care. There's a certain amount of like people. He doesn't say that. He's I, just aggressive. He's aggressive, and, but he's like, oh, but I want to relieve my tension by hurting people. He says that. At one point, Cisco comes up to him. And, you know, he's keeping him from hurting the hostages. And he's like, oh, I just want to hurt somebody. Like, no, you can't. Like, but come on. It would feel so great to do it or whatever. Yeah, but he, I, mean, I think that that's a very infantile view of crime. And where criminals come from. Yeah. And that that's what, I think that's, that, that's, that's sure. what bothers me. This whole thing me. is like that. Yeah, I think that's what bothers that, me, is that the criminal is not... And yes, we live in like a post-wire world where we understand a lot about where gang members come from. But I still think that what his self-identification... The way he makes money, that's got to be interesting. The way he Nobody makes himself. money in the sanctuary districts. That's the whole point. They, they're just like fed scraps and there's no money anywhere. So that's... are you telling me there's not a red from Shawshank? There's not a guy who can get things who knows a guy who's going to smuggle through the sewers? Not in the simplistic version of the sanctuary cities that they've given us. There's people taking the shitty... It's the... They steal the eggs that they give you in the morning from people. T- steal food ration cards. Mm-hmm. They steal the ration cards, but there's not like a black market. There's no mention of the black market anywhere. They just take from mother... And they... Take from the gimmies and the dims yeah. and steal their shit. That's how they survive. And I think that goes towards the infantile view of crim- criminal nature. Oh, well, I mean, I was going to say it is kind of reflective of that 80s, even late 70s, like... We, that bad guys are inherent. There's well, something. It's they're stained. Like no, not like, no. I'm just talking about in every like in the warriors where you have, you have these exactly wonderfully multicultural gangs. You know, I was gonna the warriors are gonna come back up later in this in this episode. But uh, no, I agree. I just it it was the whole time I was just kind of like even later on it seems like there's some with the Dick Miller character. You guys are losers. It seems like there's this weird understanding of where. It, it just, it rings false to me. Yeah. Not just how, how BC is created, but also that they're just, the episode seems to want to, in order to appeal to everyone, it's trying to make what in America is just rife with history of racism. Classicism in America is racism in a lot of ways. Right. But also I think that Dick Miller just hates the poors. And that's such a weird no, well, way that, to write it. Well, that's, I mean, again, it's like, what's good about this is not that it models realistic society, but it, especially, I feel like it has a more of a relevance in the world we live in today because it is kind of simplistic. Yeah, I view that, like, yeah, the, that makes Dick that... Miller's whole thing, like, Cisco and him have a whole, a great scene where he's, Vic was, you know, he's like, you just work here. And he's like, yeah. And Cisco's like, you just don't get it. It's like, you work here. You see these people every day, how they live, and you just don't get it. What do you want me to say? Got a feel for them? They got a bad break. What do you want me to do, man? This is a job. You want me to talk about the whole point, the whole theme of this is that people have stopped caring. That's why the sanctuary cities exist, is people stop caring about people. And they're like, oh, well, these people are all miscreants and worthless, so we can put them there and forget about them, and they don't care anymore. And even when he's talking to Dick Miller, he's like, you just don't get it. And he's like, what do you want me to do? You want me to be like, oh, I feel bad for these guys. They got a bad break. I really feel for them. What good would it do? And Cisco's like, yes. That would be a start. It would be a start. He's like, How, what's that going to solve? Like, well, it would be a starting place. Okay. And then I feel like that's where this, not but, because it doesn't model reality well enough, but the, the idea is that we need to care about people, and that's the problem, which I feel like is very relevant 
today. Okay, okay, but no, but it doesn't. Okay, yes. that we need to yes. care about people caring, is the most facile. Very, of, that's of yes. sentiment. I mean, caring it, about people. Yeah, and it's pat, but I, I think it's worth. It's not a empty. Sure, it's also shallow. It's, it's shallow. No, this, and it's is a, it, this is like a episode. It's an episode of the week, kind this of is like, like it's a, a very, very special. special uh, yeah, it's a very special episode of different strokes. That's what this is. Mm-hmm. Like okay, yeah. uh, I guess my other. My point is, is that there's a guy who was formerly rich. What you talk about, Will? So no, I was saying that Dick Miller views BC the same as he views the father who used to be a plant manager, and I guess got laid off or his plant shut down there. Right. So I because they're both kind of the forgotten in what, class. In what history? But in what history of the world or America are people prejudiced against both of those? Right. Right. Especially somebody with a federal civil servant job. <laughs> like, like, yes, like a I worker. Know. I don't know. <laughs> like, like yeah. in what America do we view those guys the same? And I think that's the problem. Yeah, I mean, it's it's nice that they're both white because it, he can look at a... Normally, he'd be like, you're one of the good ones. And it yes. doesn't have quite the racial overtones ah, if they're both white. very... Because he is, he's quote, one of the good... Because he's, you know, he's working and... <sighs> yeah, he was a productive member. So in what way can you view them... Okay, the reason that people don't like being around homeless people is that they are, by and large, I mean, let's just, I don't want to typify what makes someone homeless, but I think the general view is, is that they're either mentally unstable and therefore dangerous, or drug users and therefore dangerous, or, or just like shitty life choice makers. Yeah, well, I think that, I think you just sold it right there by 2024, People have just assumed that's what everybody in the sanctuary cities are. It, it's weird that Dick Miller. I, I get that, but uh, what person sees the the father from the Corky's dad? What family sees Corky's dad? What person sees Corky's dad and says, "You're one of those two. A guy that is so much on the outs and so fearing for his own livelihood that he's worried about becoming that. And it's like, oh, I have a job. I'm working hard. I'm not that guy. I'm better than that guy because it's about I, the economy, James. Yeah. It's all about the Federal Employment Act. And he's like, well, I got a job. I'm better than this guy. That guy doesn't have a job. It must be. It's not because he fell into hard times or anything. It's because I must have more worth and I have earned it more than him. And that's what everybody feels like. But it's not true. And that's why you need Gabriel Bell to show everybody that these are real people. Oh. But okay, I think that it's worth saying at this point that if you're going to make works of art about important social things, if you're going to make very special episodes, <laughs> then you have to prescribe how how they exist. Because if you have this facile, empty construction of racism or classism or like any sort of social problem, if you have this very facile construction of it, your moral at the end is going to seem empty and preachy. Of course, Corky's dad shouldn't have be ground up into a system that's there to spit out things. But none of these guys are drug users on the show. Make them drug users. Because I bet Cisco looks down on drug users. Cisco, lo I bet Cisco Bashir, looks down on I, BC. He says, I don't like... Because he's He says, angry, I don't like you and I'm I don't like your hat. But you get on my nerves and I don't like your hat. Now put the gun down. Yes, uh, but I'm saying that it's very easy for Bashir and Cisco to see these guys as worth something. And it's very damning when the cops hate them for no reason. <laughs> hey, man, you got a better idea. It, none well, of that ring. Cops, man. 
none of that really rings true. And so none of it, it seems like they're going through the motions here. I don't know. This would be I, feel much... like it re- I feel like it rings truer in today's environment than it did. 19- Just because well, I mean, in 1994, this is a VSE about homelessness in California because they right. there was even the yes. sanctuary city plan that got brought up. Yes. Yes. But I feel like it has an extra resonance today, and a lot of people do. But I think that that's a facet. I mean, you're right, but it's facet. It's because it's going to be the last year of the Trump administration, and we assume that if there's or if there's an eight-year Trump administration, we assume that America is going to be a nightmare hellscape, and this seems like a nightmare hellscape. But what it? But it's not going to look like this. Yeah. it's going to look right. different. Right. That's, Here's the thing: I would almost prefer this nightmare hellscape to the one that we're actually <laughs> in for. Yeah, it seems quite quaint. There's no racism or drug use amongst the poor. (laughs) So that's all, yeah, because that's not what's going to (laughs) happen. Well, DS9 is probably still written by a bunch of nerdy white guys that are nervous talking about that. Yeah, and this was was a passion project of Iris Stephen Bear. So he felt very strongly about this and has talked about it a lot. And it's one of his favorite things that the show's done. And a lot of people love this episode. I'm not. Yeah. I, I know. I know I'm shitting on a puppy here, but <laughs> I, <laughs> there's something about it that was just at the end, at the end, all the way at the end of the episode, they, you know, everything's back to normal. Yeah. And they go back and they, and Bashir says to Cisco, how did it get this bad? How did they let it get this bad? And, and Cisco goes, I just don't know. I, I, he's a, I, Cisco. He's a, I wish I had an answer. That's what he said. How could they have let things get so bad? That's a good question. I wish I had an answer. Cisco's enough of a student of 20th century, which he said he was. Yeah. He would have given reasons. I know. All right. Well, slavery was I, bad. I, I, I know you... why they owned slaves. Yeah. I can tell you right. Like, I can tell you 20 reasons why people own slaves. <laughs> right. Like, well, yeah. You know. And I will say as much as people love this episode, especially for our pro-Trump listeners that are just so mad right now, I will say it is kind of like a episode that people love. Like, oh, this this makes me feel good about my hatred of the Trump administration. Rewatching it, I was like, okay, this is not the situation we're in right now. Yeah. The, like, the shit that Trump's going to fuck up, it's going to look a lot different than this. It's yeah. just... Shit's bad, so it's fun to say it's about to happen. Yeah. We won't yeah. have all of the white... There might be sanctuary cities full of Muslim registries. You know, mm-hmm. There might be a you know an internment camp for Muslim refugees or something, but it won't be this multicultural system of people yeah. that just don't have jobs because this whole thing is like, I'm going to find jobs for these people. That's the lie that he sold. Laid off. Well, oh, sorry, I'm getting political. White laid off. That's the... Thing he sold. We'll see if it's we'll see if it's true or not. But mm. I don't see his lie to Middle America. He sold Middle America on not needing these sanctuary cities, but bringing them back. Yeah. Oh my God. And uh, yeah, I mean, like, this could quickly it, devolve I mean, devolve into a Rachel Maddow show. But yeah. <laughs> bring it back to Star Trek. 917-408-3898. Here's the thing, guys. The, here's the thing about perspective of Trek. This is what I hate. This is what I don't like about Star Trek, I guess. And this is what I'm learning about myself and the show. I don't care for the obligations it has to the previous iterations of Trek. I think that's pretty clear at this point. I think it weighs it down rather than propels the overall story of, of Deep Space Nine forward. So it's got that going against it for me. Number two, because Star Trek in the 60s was a socially 
conscious show, the pressure to be socially conscious now is there. And that's fine. I think it should always be a socially conscious show. <laughs> right. But when your execution is lazy, <laughs> it re- it's a bigger miss. It's a bigger swing and miss. Yeah. And those two things combined makes me wish I just had my two hours of my life back after watching this. Well, how do you really feel? Yeah, I I don't care for this at all. I don't like going back to an era and time. I just don't. I just don't. I don't care for this trope. I don't care for this particular episode at all. It's not what I like about Star Trek. Yeah, I really hate the Franksian light humor that they he feels the need to put in in the middle of all this too. That falls flat. Another pet peeve of mine is the baby boomer romantic of the 60s <laughs> and when they go back and they got the hippies rolling out and Bashir and oh, Akira uh, and no, no, no. Yeah. I, I hated uh, those uh, O'Brien and Akira the... yeah they go to the roaring 20s first and then they go to the 60s I... I hate this. I hate <laughs> the of the 1960s by baby boomers. Listen, it's more likely that if you went back to hate Ashbury in 1968 or whatever, somebody would be clawing off their skin on the street because they got ants and, you know, <laughs> having a bad trip. Yeah. People retching, you know, sexual assault. Yes. It was just a horrible, horrible place in time. <laughs> so showing it like that cartoonish hippie paradise just makes me want to punch myself in the face yeah it, uh, any other thoughts uh, <laughs> no 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 I it, it does make me fair enough <laughs> it does make me think yes baby boomers love to self-aggrandize their own history oh, and i think yeah and in the 90s when this show that was at the height of oh yeah tie-dye was all the rage in 1994 i had tie-dye shirts and everybody was well they had woodstock 94 exactly I mean, yeah, they yeah, had, yeah they had to like so, yeah, yeah this is very and then everybody very got much... up in arms because if i remember correctly everybody got up in arms because there were rapes and i was just like you know there were rapes in the 69 too just nobody gave a shit like, right. yeah that's how bad yeah yeah it, it, was, it, was, bad it was worse <laughs> yes. right they're like oh, yeah that's just how we roll it's like oh no man that's yeah. so not... okay yeah i particularly hated those things too but the one from you said the 20s i think it was actually supposed to be the 30s because it's supposed to be there's a poster on the wall and it's made up to the exact same set from city on the edge of forever oh because i thought they were coming out of a speakeasy and they were yeah so they were but they came it was supposed to be that they went to the exact same time or same week that the city on the edge of forever takes place you read that in your memory alpha yeah i ran (laughs) that in memory alpha notes yeah and so and the other tricky thing about this time travel to 2024 and Trek continuity. Well, I mean, you just have to accept that Trek continuity is different than reality because in the 90s, when they were making this is when the eugenics war were going on, right? That's when Khan was yeah. flying off into Botany Bay and shit, right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So you're right. Yeah, you're, you're so right. So we've already had the space program. It's been somewhere after the 90s. It's probably we blew all our money on the eugenics war, had no money left, and then crashed. Then the economy collapsed because they talk about the economy a lot here. And the Federal Employment Act got canceled. And then they had to make the sanctuary cities i presume because shit got real bad that they couldn't sustain it after the eugenics war. no well i mean I you're right you're right that they're glossing over it and they, they're glossing over it mm-hmm. because they, uh, basically one because one reason it, they don't want to deal with it yeah. because they don't want to deal with it because it makes the situation iris Stephen bear probably wants and i i get that i i would want it if i was writing the story too i would want the 2024 to be the natural conclusion or the natural progression of where he thought 1994 was right 
Yeah, totally. And putting in this weird designer people war is confounding to that because then you can just kind of say in your head, well, that's a hellhole because they had this goofy thing that, that we know didn't happen. So this is not a natural conclusion. Like if we have a fascistic hell state after like an alien invasion, it's hard to like. Let me interject real here since we're talking about Star Trek continuity and eugenics wars in the 90s. A few years later, or maybe pretty close to the same time. Are you telling me there's a book that explains all this? Oh, I, oh I'm sure there is. I'm sure there's like 20 books. Actually. No, but uh, the cast of Voyager goes back to Earth in the 1990s. And it's a two-parter. <laughs> With Sarah Silverman. Sarah Silverman. Yep. yep, that's right. Really? Yep. Really? Oh yeah. Uh, what season is this one? I don't remember. They go to the. I, need to, I don't. I don't. Remember. They go to. The, she works at the Griffiths Observatory in LA. The t- observatory. Yep. Interesting. Okay. All right. And then her. It's it's a Tom Paris episode because that's your favorite. Yeah. Who doesn't love Tom Paris? I do think that it's gonna. While we're we're about to go into these things like these futures past things that didn't happen, like calling at the net and stuff like that. Yeah. One of the things that it's nailed is that not the '99 Yankees, but the '98 oh. Yankees are arguably one of the greatest baseball teams ever oh oh so, well we so. haven't even gotten into baseball here yeah the net is the least of the anachronisms here uh, no no but you're right about the kings 2015 but the yankees they almost nailed that oh yeah the 99 yankees won the world series but they're not no one's arguing that they're the best but the 98 that's a top five team of all time Hmm. So they kind of nailed that. So well played. Though. To yes. give them, wait a minute now. I'm not going to argue the, the Yankees' greatness. However, the Yankees in the mid-90s were on their way to a huge upswing. Yeah. So it's not like exactly, it's not like they exactly uh, were reaching for the, the stars on that one. No, no, they, <laughs> I mean, they didn't shoot it out of nowhere. Safe. But they were, had to like, yeah. they were reaching for the stars on Buck Bakai and the Kings. <laughs> they don't bother yeah. saying the London Kings because they probably realized how fucking dumb that was. But we know from previous Deep Space Nine that Buck Bakai played on the Major League Baseball team, the London Kings, in 2015. Yes, <laughs> the, the, yes the baseball like, jumped the pond is a ridiculous idea. We can't even get football to jump the pond, and we really like football. <laughs> right. No, you're you're right, Hugh, but if someone's on that writing staff is looking at rookie Jeter and rookie Rivera and Andy Pettit and all of these guys, and they're going, these guys are going to be Hall of Famers. I mean, that's still, I got to give him credit. In 94, for seeing that. Which I don't, you know, I think he just was offhanded. He got lucky. But still, it was, uh, you're right. It's not a shot. It's not a broad leap, but it's a little leap. Right, right. Okay. So, other, yeah. Uh, other anachronisms. I feel like we'll cover the plots and the beats in this episode real fast. I don't think we need to. They eventually leave and fix the timeline. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we, we don't. They take hostages. That's it, folks. Well, there's little stuff like the scene with the yeah. the, the lady with the sugars. <laughs> hypoglycemia. Yeah, that. It's, hypoglycemia is an effect of having the sugars. I, I don't. I don't know. I only learned about the sugars like this year. Oh, really? <laughs> it's a thing that people say. Yes. You grew up in the south. I know. I know. I know. But it's. It means you've got diabetes right because he's gonna find her a chocolate bar right? yeah 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 i mean hypoglycemia says she has hypoglycemia yeah but it's a function it's of a diabetes right. so yeah other um uh, credit chips and interface are the other uh the net is actually pretty close i'll give them points for the net because they talk about interface terminals instead of computers all the time yeah. the net we know what the net is but an interface terminal is it's just a computer the one that made me laugh the most is that the internet guy said my ratings would go up and he <laughs> yeah. said his internet his internet ratings <laughs> he's got the internet nielsen right well and also future. you need a government license well because he's he owns channel 99 man that's like hot shit in 2024 yeah the idea that tv would 
would still be like, <laughs> yeah, like TV channels would be a thing. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, but. it's like I guess TV and the internet by now is together. I don't know. It's make me an I, infinite jest kind of thing. One of the most frustrating things for me in this episode is that a huge plot point of this is in order to give Jad Zia something to do, she fixed. She got future Steve Jobs to like turn back on the internet oh, right, for right, right. them or something so that they could <laughs> broadcast the internet yeah. broadcast their issues over the internet which is a legitimate that that makes sense while she's dressed like Thomas <laughs> while she's dressed oh, like I, I have I have sartorial things to say about Jadzia sexy Halloween Thomas Jefferson <laughs> yeah like her I, like I've said before Jadzia's hair game at the beginning of the season was on point but her 2024 hairstyle is more 24th century than any think she's worn in the 24th century yes it's a ridiculous look i did like the bc's got some charisma on this episode yeah and when she comes in like he was he made it a little better he made it like more fun to watch i love that he's when he's talking about his their demands amnesty credit chips amnesty, a handful of credit chips and an airplane to wherever we want to go i'm thinking tasmania and they're like what the fuck tasmania is errol flynn was from tasmania yes <laughs> they love that the millennials will have for errol flynn <laughs> Is, is, yeah, and Errol Flynn trivia is very interesting to me. Tasmania. Errol Flynn was born in Tasmania. Okay, let's talk about something here. Another thing that's ridiculous about this plot is that they're holding. I, I got more BC stuff. Yeah, like let's just because like, this is something that I can't get over either. Is that their demands? They're holding five hostages, and their demands are that the government has to change laws yeah. for them to release five prisoners. They have to basically rethink the entire state, federal, local, civic policy in order to... And then the lady from the Warriors and from Walter Hill movies comes back and she's like, we can't do it. They just... The governor's gonna look into it or whatever. Like, of course they can't do it. You're talking about repeal of fucking laws. Like, passing laws, they're not gonna get that done overnight and they're not gonna do that for hostages. Right, and so can like, the governor I, even re state the federal employment act he's the governor <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's a state issue like there was there's nothing about their demands from just a conception point of view it wasn't thought out why yeah well why don't they didn't have practical goals no and so at least cisco and bashir knew it was all bullshit like yeah oh i'll argue for it but i know it's never gonna happen i just know that everybody has to die except for these hostages yeah but like the the non well that who thought like that was an actually an interesting concept to me of why as far as activism and everything the merit of this is a violent protest they're holding hostage. Mm -hmm. And Cisco and Bashir and the rioters see merit in a violent protest. But whereas the people in the sanctuary districts think that they're going to have an immediate result, history knows that, oh, shit's not going to work out for you. This is going to go bad. But, but we're fighting for a greater, longer view of history because we know that this has a huge... <laughs> We know that people don't get what they want and they're suffering and death, but it's the message of what this protest means that we're fighting for. And and the idea that you're going to get what you want is bullshit. That's never going to happen. It's a pipe. I don't know. It's we That's a weird kind of conceptual thing for this. Yeah. It seemed like it was like... That's the crux of the show that doesn't work for yeah, me. Yeah. yeah. They're hopeful. I mean... For, that's the... I think you're... It worked for me Well, because it's like a grand, crazy thing that's never going to work, except it changes hearts and minds. I, for me, that's but kind of, it doesn't. But a, you don't even see that happen. Well, they tell you it does, but that's not what you exactly. <laughs> but you don't see anybody. That was my thing with them starting the internet. But you don't see any. You don't see them doing broadcasting anything over. 
over the internet. You do. And you don't see they, what? Yeah, you do. You do. They have what? all the families go up and talk about like who they are and everything. The guys are telling their stories. Yeah, they say, I lost my job because they brought robots in. Oh, and, yeah, 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 and, yeah. And then Cisco convinces BC, like, no, we got to show this guy because he's the guy that is going to play well because he's got a family. And, you know, you're a ghost. People know you're an asshole. But that was before. You're right. They were doing that before it shut down. And then and then they, and then they, then when they, they, get, they got the Internet back up. But you don't see. But after they get seeing, it back up, you see that they, they're marching people by and telling their stories. There's whole I thought, yeah. yeah. I thought that was before. Yeah, no, do. I thought that was came before. Well, no. Uh, Either anyway, it's after it's after Jadzia gets there and gets their interview. It is. Well, anyway, you don't see anybody. You don't see Steve Jobs man watching that. You don't see that having an effect. I mean, the only reason that Steve Jobs man no. helps is because a piece of ass is asking him to do it. <laughs> yeah, you don't actually see anybody being changed by this event except for Dick Miller. Yeah, who's yeah, like the Dick Miller was my other reference I was going to make, but he he yeah, changes, but the, and even BC changes at the end. But then he dies. And then the what's the dumb? I just want to get home, guy. God, I hate I hate in every show <laughs> in the history of the world. I hate the I just got to get home to my family. Guy. Oh, I love that, that guy is when, when he's when he's showing his or like oh. oh Oh, you have a family? Yeah, I have a family. Can I see a picture from 2024 of your family? And he gives it to him. It's his family that looks like a picture they took in 1991. And the blown out hair. It's like, oh, yes. that's your family? <laughs> oh, I guess I guess fashion really does come around. I don't know. You're, you're married to Nancy Kerrigan. <laughs> <You're> no, but, <laughs> but yeah, but I hate that. God, I hate that trope and everything. I'm just a simple man that wants to get home to my family. I have no beliefs or no characters. I am not responsible for my world other than just taking care of my family. It's such a empty gesture <laughs> sure. of a point. It's, because it's a placeholder human being. This is the man you're supposed to care about. The man who just cares about his family. Yeah, it's emotional notation. Because that could yeah, be yeah. you. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it's like the cartoon that doesn't have any defined features like <laughs> yeah, that yeah. you're supposed to put yourself into. Yeah, that... Uh, but anyway, that's what that guy was. And he at no point has any growth other than to get home. He doesn't at any point. Right, well, he, he's, the night, he's the good cop in comparison to Dick Miller's bad cop who's an asshole. He's the good cop because he just wants to get home. Yeah, well, yeah. They don't have 15 minutes to deal with his backstory, apparently. There's not a point when he can go home, but he chooses to stay because these guys are right. Right, and yeah. he feels convicted to help him. Yeah. That, that's usually what you do with that trope, but they don't do that here. At the end, he's like, well, I get to go home now to my family. Yeah, like, yeah. It's just like an emotional shorthand. Like, we know this guy, right? Let's just cliche. Yeah. And it's not helped, but he is probably the worst actor in this episode. <laughs> he's so inconsequential. I didn't give a shit about his acting. Yeah, I should. Yeah. Uh, Clint Howard's in this episode. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Playing a dim that's in. He is, yeah. He steals Jadzia's comm badge once she gets there. Bashir has to go off to find them, and he's like, you're you're an alien. And she's like, well, when Jadzia runs. Okay, first, when Jadzia gets there, I felt like it was kind of like, come on, guys. Oh, you crawled out of the sewers. You must be so tired. <laughs> you can't do anything. You're a woman. You're a woman. You need to rest. She's like, what the fuck? By the way, perfectly clean. Hair perfectly coiffed. No stain in her clothes she crawled through the sewers yeah 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 and she she came out like she was coming out of a dressing room 
she, she crawled through a mile of shit and came out clean on the other side. <laughs> I laughed at that when I saw it. I was like, what the fuck? I mean, like, yeah, just a little man. bit of thought on this. You don't want to get that shit in your hair. Yes. But, uh, but yeah, yes. but once she gets there, like, oh, oh, you must be exhausted. Do you need to sit down? Like, no, she's a powerful woman. She doesn't need to rest. She's fine. Look at her. She doesn't have any dirt on her. She's got the vapors. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, Clint Howard, little story here. First off, that whole segue was totally useless to me. She loses her comp badge. She goes and gets her comp badge from him. And they have a little scene to show that he's mentally, you know. Whoosh, I'm invisible. Yes. It's like, yeah. and you can see me. Oh, yeah, because I'm an alien. Uh, oh, well, uh, I mentioned D&D nerds way back in Equilibrium episode that she's like a illithid. I said mind slayer instead of mind flayer. But yeah, they suck your brains out. They'll suck your brains out right through your ears. Right through your ears. I know. And then the D&D nerd in me is like, yeah, like a mind flayer. And she's got a slug inside of her. Oh, it fits. <laughs> but I thought so. Uh, I think that's just parallel. Well, that's just me being a nerd. <laughs> I don't think that was. Parallel nerd thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, was that a Kellyanne Conway? No. <laughs> it wasn't an alternative fact. No, alter- no a parallel thinking is what Amy Schumer said about. I love her joke. It's a joke theft. Yeah. You know, and I buy that. Yeah. They were pretty hacked jokes honestly yeah uh, yeah that's fine but no the only reason that that scene is in there is because at some point iggy pop came up to iris stephen barrett said he's a fan of deep space nine and wanted to be in it and then he wrote that scene for iggy pop and then iggy pop was like oh, i got something to do i can't do it <laughs> so they plugged clint howard in there because clint howard is always ready <laughs> like oh. he's the substitute teacher of hollywood <laughs> where you just call him at six in the morning and he'll be there at 7 30 like, right. well and he's been at what was his next generation role because he was in the I, original I, star trek i think he was just in the corbinite maneuver in the corbinite maneuver i don't think he was in it well he shows up in voyager and he shows up in enterprise he's yeah. never once he was never on star trek Next generation. The, yeah, I he, think Clint Howard is. Well, he plays a Ferengi on on Enterprise. Oh, yeah. Okay, guys, he was not in Voyager, according to Memory Alpha. Oh, he's not. He's not again in Deep Space Nine. He was on. Oh, he was a Enterprise. F- he was a Ferengi in Enterprise. Uh, okay, that's what I'm thinking. Ferengi in Enterprise. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I made a guess. He played a Ferengi. It was probably on Deep Space Nine. <laughs> Generally, that's a pretty pretty good guess, right, guys? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Generally, you can nail the Ferengis in that. And I forgot he was like four in the Corbinite. But how old was he when he did the? Yeah, I don't know. Is, is he Ron's older brother? Yes. Yeah. Wait, is he older? Uh, he just uh, he doesn't have them Hollywood. Their father was an actor named Rance. Rance Howard. Yeah, he was in that famous episode of Seinfeld where George or uh, Kramer falls in love with the farmer's daughter. Rance. Rance Howard is in a lot of stuff. I don't know. Once you know who, who he looks like, once you know what Rance Howard looks like, he's a Babylon Five. Rance Howard. Rance Howard is in a lot of stuff. He's still alive. Good for him. Yeah. I'm glad. Rance Howard, I'm, he's in Cool Hand Luke. He was a sheriff. Whoa, 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 Cool whoa, Hand whoa. Luke. Yes, he's the guy I'm in the sunglasses you. and Cool Black? Yes. Whoa. Yes. Yes. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay, yeah. He was in Grand Theft Auto. I mean, he's in yeah. stuff. Grand yeah. Theft Auto. Not that, yes. Not the, <laughs> but the actual movie, Grand Theft Auto. No, no, no. He's had a very illustrious career. I am seeing. He was in a lot of movies directed by Ron Howard, but nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, I'd be pissed if I wasn't, if I were my son. And Including, I forgot that Ron Howard directed Grand Theft Auto. But yeah, and Splat, and Gung Ho, all of these Ron Howard movies. But yeah, he's doing a lot of the other things since. Yeah, he's in good shit, man. But anyway, talking about the Howard family. But yeah, but Iggy Pop is later on. They do find a way to squeeze Iggy Pop in, and it's amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, so, but this episode, you know what happens, right? Everybody listening? Mm-hmm. They fix the timeline. They, they come in, they raid the place. Frogs fall, everybody dies. Well, not every, no. Cisco gets shot. Everybody who needs to die dies. <laughs> yeah. Michael Webb 
the the gimme that they get on camera dies and his son yeah. and BC gives his son a hat because he knows he's gonna die. BC dies. Biddle Colrich, Biddle Colrich, I believe is his name. Uh-huh. And then Dick Miller laughs at him. I goes, thought, okay, so okay, let's but just... can we talk about Cisco getting shot? That was my yeah. Bad. Cisco gets shot. The ending feels very uneven. Yeah, me. I got stuff about the okay. So if Gabriel, if they had not gotten there and Gabriel Bell had gotten to do Gabriel Bell's thing, yeah, would Gabriel Bell would Corky's dad still have been there and gotten shot? Yeah, what kind of time travel is this? Is what I want to know because I don't think it's we know. Like, they never, they never go into all that. Right. Well, let's. Okay. Well, like I don't. Okay. Did Cisco turn Corky's dad? Because it seems to me that Corky's dad sacked with the face of the rebellion. Should have been. Like when he showed him when Bashir shows him the iPad at the end of the episode. Yeah, and it's his picture, and it's and, Cisco's picture as the Gabriel Bell riots. But it should have been the Corky's dad riots, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, see, okay, yeah, here's, you know what, it should have been, this is my whole thing, like, okay, they get to there, and then they're like, oh, we don't have a way to turn the internet back on, and then it turns out that Jadzi is the reason they can turn the internet back on, yeah. and then they say, maybe, maybe Gabriel Bell somehow could have done that, but, oh, well, if the reason that the internet, which kind of time travel, is it back to the future time travel, or did the things that happened always had happened, and... It's, I thought it was Back to the Future. It is Back time. to the Future. So I guess Gabriel Bell was also a computer whiz. Maybe that explains that away. And then at the end, when they're showing the data pad with Cisco as Gabriel Bell, Cisco, and he's yeah. like, oh, I don't want to explain this to Starfleet. But honestly, unless he's a Boy Scout, he shouldn't even have to because everything has changed except for the Defiant because time has been erased and replaced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they didn't reinstate the timeline. They replaced the timeline where Gabriel Bell. This is maybe this is angry nerd corner. You know, like they didn't. They replaced the timeline where Gabriel Bell was the guy. And honestly, it should have been replaced with Owen, the gimme guy. Yeah, the, yeah. but it was replaced and, with Gabriel Bell being Cisco. And he's like, I don't want to explain this to the brass at Starfleet. And it was perfectly replaced. So he he didn't come back and you know Biff wasn't polishing his new form before. Right, exactly. So, but like, like it was perfectly. Replaced. So honestly, he should have been able to get away with it unless he's a Boy Scout and saying, oh, he probably went back and said, hey, guys, I did this. And they're like, what? But if it would have taken a weird clerk noticing it unless he brought it back, because for everybody outside of the Defiant, that's just how time happened. I get okay, you're right. It all disappeared and then it came back when they fixed the timeline. But I guess what I'm saying is yeah, yeah, okay. So but is the maneuvers that Cisco is doing in this episode, is he playing I don't mean like is he acting like he's a guy named Gabriel Bell? Is he playing the part of Gabriel Bell? Did Gabriel Bell call in Corky's dad and say, Let's make the rich white the formerly rich white guy? <laughs> we we, like, we don't know. We don't have time to go over this. I feel like we probably need to wrap it up. We don't know any of these answers. <laughs> but you're right. Right. I don't know. We have no but way. No, no, I think that it's a little bit because it's another way that the story is kind of empty story is that is Cisco making choices to bring about this resolution to the homelessness crisis or is he just trying to hit the is he trying to play Simon with the original Gabriel Bell and just hit the buttons that Gabriel Bell did well yeah <laughs> these are all very good questions that nobody cares about like we don't know be- but we want to see Cisco make choices right well he's made choices and okay here's how I saw it as far as we know all he knows is that Gabriel Bell stopped the hostages from dying yeah which is what he did. But he realizes mm-hmm. that they need a face of a good person with a family. 
So, you know, there's room where he could say, oh, I recognize Michael Owen as a person from history, so I'll put him in there. But we, like you said, we just don't know. There's no knowing. It could go either way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like that. This isn't a rotten premise. It's just like it needed. It just was like just the execution. Like, yeah, that was. If this were a prestige drama today, it would be done a little bit better. Yeah. It's it's so 90s. Everything about this alternative future. You know, it's like, but what did they know? They didn't. They're not acting from the hindsight that us asshole podcasters can talk about it. Like, they should have known this better. If I were doing this now, it would have been a better thing. But in the 90s, I don't know. I was 14. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Iris Stephen Bear, I'll end this with Iris Stephen Bear's like self-aggrandizing pontificating here. He goes that uh, people are, are still even writing that we, I guess this was taken a year later, <laughs> or he, he gave this quote a year, a year after it aired. People are still even writing that the only presented one side in past tense and that we should have presented both sides and not just the liberal point of view. And I'm still trying to think what that means. In other words, we should have showed the positive aspects of putting the homeless into concentration camps. And I do admit that we probably failed in that. We really did not show the many, many wonderful aspects of life without money and living in overcrowded camps. <laughs> so I think like he's pretty whoa, outraged. Whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Is he manufacturing wow, that... outrage there? Because that doesn't feel like anybody's really <laughs> what the, who's watching Star Trek and is like, uh has our arms crossed and be like, hmm, what's the other side of the story here? Mm. I'm sure they had a good reason yeah. for putting people uh, well, in camps. I feel like today you could get that pretty easily. <laughs> But yeah, I think that he could say that what what I was talking about earlier, what we were talking about earlier in the podcast. Yeah. About like they're not showing any of these. these, None of these guys are drug users. None of these guys are, you know, that is something that I think that he could say is that we're not talking about why people are repulsed by. And that is the problem is he doesn't show a multifaceted nature of this. He's he's is that his pro is that what he's perceiving? Like people are criticizing that it's too pat and he takes it as the other thing. Yeah, that's like he's probably spinning their their criticism of lack of nuances. As, as, why yeah. don't we show the Pepe side of things? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, and I'm just like, I'm not that. Uh, yeah, so I think that he's pretty sensitive about this issue. But with well, the critiques that we've had apparently did exist. And who knows? Probably some of that did come from assholes who like ate the homeless. <laughs> right, right, right. But, uh, yeah, you know. well, especially if this were based on an issue that was being proposed in California. Yeah. I'm sure that they got some pushback. But I guess there were talk about putting all the homeless in Sanctuary City. It didn't come to pass. Yes, I know. But I guess the criticism is that there are reasons why people don't like the homeless around. And you need to say those reasons can be wrongheaded and hard hearted. But you have to show and explain what those reasons are. Yeah. And I do think like when people say that we don't know why people like us don't know why people voted for Trump. There are reasons they voted for Trump. They're wrong reasons. <laughs> but there are reasons. And if you're going to do a postmortem on the problem, you do have to understand what it is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think that that's probably a critique yet he's pretty sensitive about. Yeah, you're right. I think that's... It's Colmini's favorite, one of his favorite episodes. Oh, yeah. And he views it... And this is... Oh, I'll read this because I think it goes towards the thesis of our show. Even though I think it's wrong, there's other places he could have made this point and I would have liked it more. But he says, on Next Generation, they were dealing with more philosophical ponderings than we were on Deep Space Nine, where we were trying to deal with hands-on immediate crises that I think are more resonant with the problems we have in the world today. And I think that that's something that we would all agree with. Yeah. 
is that Deep Space Nine is a dirtier, needier, grittier, more complex and nuanced show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, but that my favorite Cole Meany thing is uh, the Alan Partridge. Movie. <laughs> that's my. Favorite. That's your new. That, that that's giving you watching the Alan Partridge movie has given you a new lease on uh, loving Cole Meany. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's the bad guy in the Alan Partridge movie that came out in 2014. And I think he's <laughs> spectacular because yeah. So. I've I've come around a little bit. <laughs> right, right. Okay, so this will make you like Nothing. O'Brien a little bit more, hopefully. I do think that no one, uh, like, I think it was telling, they probably got it right, that in the 20s and in the 60s, that nobody's going to ask a guy why he clearly just beat the shit out of his girlfriend. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. when Kira has a broken nose? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she probably had it coming. That's the, way so, oh, that's the first thing you would say in the middle of the night, a woman with it, you're like, dude, did you hit, did you hit your... <laughs> I, 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 I broke my nose. <laughs> Uh, uh, she, 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 I, I, I fell down the stairs. Yeah. And you're like, Miss, are do you like, need, why, why do you did need you help say me? that? Yeah, like, you should have just showed up. She's <laughs> whisper. Do you need me to call someone? <laughs> Wait, that comes a little bit too easily. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. What? Oh man. I was, I was speaking in character of of a big. <laughs> oh wow. You really bring I, pro- I promise I have never <laughs> Yeah. Do you guys want to get into the uh the rating? Yes. Yes. Uh, All right. We've had five, 600 What was it last week? What was it last week? I totally forgot. All right. Well, last week it was 7.9. And so you guys got 687 votes. Uh they usually go up in the second part of two or parters. I'm going to say 8.1. I'm going to hedge on like the patness and I'm going to go and it drops to 7.7. 7. Uh, it's an eight, eight even. So I was right. It went up, but you got it right. Cause it went up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. And now we're, we're going to move on to well, uh, grievances and listener mail, listener mail. Cause yeah, they're on a, <laughs> if I'm being honest, All right. well, I don't know. Spoilers. We time travel a bit nowadays and I don't know what it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes these are recorded. Well, all times these are recorded at different times. Yeah. All right. All right. I'm invisible. All right. And here we are again. You say so. In the Richard Cardo Memorial yelling at my phone voicemails. Do we have a new name for it this week, gentlemen? (laughs) Not yet. Not yet, but I, it, it seems from Twitter that people are pissed about uh, <laughs> our, our take on uh, S10 Part 1. <laughs> yeah, welcome to Not Yet. Is that fair? Is that, an, is that a fair assessment? I don't know. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. I don't know if it's pissed or hurt and betrayed or or what the situation is, but uh, maybe we weren't as nice to past tense part one as we could have well no as people thought we were going to be i could see that you know whatever it's 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 star trek we're we're we're, uh, we're gonna have to start taking an ass on how much we hate past tense so we'll, we'll yeah we'll take yeah, how, we'll take some how much you guys hate past tense but uh let me <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I don't. I'm just saying. Listening to the podcast, I forgot how much I remember being tough on it, and then I forgot like when it started, I wasn't as tough. But Hugh just kept making point after point. Yeah, like, well, <laughs> speaking of past tense, this is a voicemail we have from Tin Rant about past tense part two, actually that he sent before he listened to us talk about part one. Oh, so I'm gonna. So go it's ahead. full of hope. Uh, yeah. Well, let, let's just let it speak for itself. Hey there, fellas. Warren out in Seattle again, dropping you a real quick message about uh, Past Tense Part 2. 
didn't have a whole lot to say that I'm sure you guys haven't already covered when, when you guys have done your recap. I'm calling a couple weeks ahead just to make sure that I get this in because there's there's something pretty uh, special about this episode for me. And it is Cisco's line to that Biddle character when they're all holed up and keeping everyone hostage. And in my opinion, humble opinion, it is the sickest burn in all of Star Trek. And I'm sure you guys have covered it, but just in case you haven't, uh, Cisco's line to the regard of... Uh, you get on my nerves, and I don't like your hat. Wow. <laughs> I, I think it's a combination of the way he delivers that line, but also just the savage ferocity of that burn in general, because when we watch it and you look at Biddle after he says it, it, it lands. And it should, because, man, that's a rough one. So, anyway, not a whole lot to say. Uh just wanted to put my two cents in as far as the, the sickest burn in Star Trek history, and perhaps turn it over to you guys to see if you agreed or disagree, and if you got a counter to the uh, most savage takedown in uh, Star Trek history, Deep Space Nine or otherwise. Anyway, keep up the good work, fellas, and I'll catch you later. So what do you think, guys? That is an interesting topic. You get on my nerves, and I don't <laughs> like your hat. I think that I think that we could have a category and from a character that you'd never see together, see again, you could probably say that was the sickest burn. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. So, do y'all not think that Cisco was amazing in that episode that we just covered in this very podcast? <laughs> because, because uh, I thought I, I, I stand by Cisco does some amazing work in his totally overplayed whatever in past tense part two. I, I don't know. Like, I, I guess this is oh, because we're actually airing Patrick, but I've never. <laughs> It's been a while since I've done we did the podcast. I don't remember how I have you listened. I, how how hard am I on the on part two? We're pretty rough on it. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, yeah, we're. I don't know if I defended it as much as I wish I had, honestly. But that's a pretty sick burn, though. I think this is one that made me hate, made me question whether or not I liked Star Trek. Yeah. This, oh. Oh, he was the worst, but yeah, 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 you were the worst on this. Uh, Before we go, okay, well, if we want some feedback on how much we disliked it from Past Tense Part One, we have another voicemail from Tin Rant. Oh, okay, from from Warren. This one detailing after listening to our coverage of Past Tense Part One. Is this Warren? Is Tin Rant? He's not Warren Cantrell, is he? Yep. Oh, more okay, yeah, okay. All right, so yeah, yeah, he was very upset. You're right. Yeah, yeah. We want to go right into this one. Yeah, yeah. Let's take it. Let's take it on. All right. Okay, guys. Warren from Seattle, back again. Uh, golly, past tense, part one. <sighs> Look, I know that this isn't uh, peak TV. I know that uh, this episode and its uh, subsequent sequel don't have anything on, say, a wheel that turns a fucking island. <laughs> Or four code giants, but uh, if I can defend it uh, on one or two points, I think they would be these. Uh, and before I get into that, you know what? Hey, it's cool not to like an episode. It's cool to like an episode. Everyone's got their opinion. And hey, if you guys don't like this one, if it doesn't, uh, you know, milk your cow, whatever. But uh, why I like this episode, why I think a lot of people do like this episode, is because it gives a sense of the Federation and the pre-post-scarcity era. I think it gives a really interesting look at what made the Federation what it is. And much like DS9 itself, which is providing a window into the sort of corners of the Federation, I think past tense part one and two give viewers this idea that, yes, this world that this you know fictional universe lives in and plays in is much like yours. Indeed, it's tied to yours. It's meant to be tied to yours. And having this look at the Bell Riots 
into BC, aka Biddle, into all of this weird shit, it, it grounds it, it connects it, and it makes what we see in TNG and TOS a little bit more real, a little bit more tangible, and it allows us to sort of reach back and to touch that. That being said, yes, I think the writing is a little clunky at times. I'm a Bashir defender, and I think, you know, even I will admit that some of his, uh, yeah, some of those lines land like a bag of hammers. But you know what? I dig it. I, I like the idea. I like the conceit. And as I said before, sickest burn in Star Trek history. I don't like your hat. Anyway, take that for what it is. Got some more grievances, I'm sure, if I, if I really sat down, had a couple of whiskeys and thought it through. But just off the top of my head, that's where I'm at. Discuss and counter as you do, and catch you next time. See you, fellas. I, I knew because from earlier on, I, I mean, because I, I followed Tinran on Twitter and I saw that he had, was excited for us to, hear, to do this episode. And then, so then we watched it and then we, <laughs> we did the podcast. And then, like, even afterwards, because there's a bit of a, a lag, he was he was talking about, oh, you're coming up on, on past tense. I'm looking forward to you guys. And <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, as I call oh, it, guys, poor, you poor, we, poor son of a bitch. We, we, <laughs> uh, let me just start off by saying that we... I, I agree with him. I'm on his side. Let me just go out of my way and say that I like past tense. But I... Um, I go ahead. No, I, I think that it is doing a big thing, like a big story. And I think... That we want to give it credit for that because oftentimes these episodes are fascination. These right. We have one more review of uh, past tense two. If you have oh big my thoughts on it, okay. Uh, past tense uh, two or one? Um, all of okay. Uh, okay, let's do it all, and then we will. I will make my apologia for my opinions on past tense. But if there's anything you want to refer to directly from uh, Warren's voicemail, uh, no, it's probably going to be in the next one too. So. All right. Well, like, let me uh, let me make a quick comment about Warren's comment, if I may. I do appreciate what he's saying about it. By going back in time, you're helping the world building of the Star Trek universe. I appreciate that aspect of it and how different that makes it from our own world and how they got to where they're. I understand that. That that is neat and it's a fun concept. It's so much of a fun concept that for some reason, the last 20 years, 17 years, that's all Paramount executives seem interested in mining is you know they went back in time with enterprise and here we're going back in time even further with discovery so i I, he's got a valid point they do like to go back in time to show what life was like for folks on earth pre-federation so and then you know the early days but so i I appreciate that warren however i take exception with the execution i think i detailed that pretty well in this episode all right go ahead with the next call i'm sorry wade all right, yeah, I I don't take exception with execution because it's not. I mean, I don't want to say it's Star Trek, which I have said and I will say, but even if I agree, just because it's not. Well, whatever. Um, oh, okay. Anyways, he he defended Bashir in this, and it, but probably I defended him even harder. I I don't know. Maybe I need to rewatch it. Who, who de- wait? Who who defends? I defended Bashir harder than Warren did. Oh yeah. Well, that's the thing is, I think that they're doing a big thing, kind of. And I think that when, uh, like, I'm just going to get my full rant here. All right. I think that us as liberals, I think that well, us as liberals. Well, email, you bastard. <laughs> well, I <laughs> know, but you gave your whole little thing. So I guess mine like, didn't <laughs> have to do with the overarching thing. Mine addressed it specifically what Warren said. <laughs> All right. So let's right. Let him talk. Fine. Okay. Let him talk. If you if you can make it quick and then space it out more. Well, no, I don't know. Well, we will give you the, give it give it all give it all. We'll, we'll I'll, give I'll. you plenty to the floor. We promise you don't have to yield your time just yet. Uh, hey 
guys. Um, long time listener. This is first time caller to the show, but I mean, I just listened to the past tense episode that you did, and I got a little bit of a of a preview of part two. And geez, Louise, guys, what the hell? Like everything doesn't have to be the wire, you know. You can just relax and just like and enjoy a show that's maybe not uh, gritty. And full of drug users, <laughs> do we need uh, to know the like the background of what made Avon Barksdale in the the sanctuary cities? Uh, I mean, come on, <laughs> uh, just why be so cynical, man? Like, oh, it's just like enjoy the like. What is wrong with caring? You seem so cynical about it, mate. Jeez, and plenty of cops hate people. Just on principle, especially Renicots. But anyways, uh, I don't mean to shit on your puppy. I uh, love the show. And um, <laughs> move along home. All right, bye. Uh, that, was, that was totally Wade, wasn't it? Uh, what? I don't know who that was. But oh, that was Wade. He sounds like was, an attractive, uh, very attractive person. 100% I, I, like, he's got some charisma. I, I mean, I, but, uh, I, that was, that was, okay. Now that we've heard from, the, from somebody's id. I don't I mean, uh, I don't know who we, that was. I just think he raises some uh, valid points. I don't know. <sighs> I can't argue against that. Flip <laughs> 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 change my mind. No. <laughs> the wire. <laughs> Because, yes, yeah, it's it's, okay. it's talking about big ideas. It doesn't have to be totally realistic, but, you know, it's there could have been drug use in the sanctuary. Like, the Dems are probably, some of them are addicts, and some of the ghosts, too, were probably hopped up on goofballs. Okay, here's the thing. I think that writers for TV shows, and us, who are not writers for TV shows, but the makers of very, very small podcasts, all come from a class of sort of, you know, artists. Like, a, we went through high school. We were the arty people in our, probably, for the most part, the arty people in our high school. Yeah. And <laughs> college, we, we, we were the artier people in college. I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts. Yes. <laughs> we are not political scientists. We are not technocrats. We are not the, the people who, who really get into solving a problem. And that's a long way to saying we have no marketable skills, but continue. <laughs> that we have yeah, no yeah. marketable skills, but we also approach the world in a way where we do believe that art has a profound ability to change people's lives. And we are also probably all politically liberal, or a lot of us are, not all of us. But when we approach those things, art, we want our art to be something meaningful. So we want to write something political about our politics. And so we want to make them as liberals who make art. And we have an outsized sort of megaphone, not us, but, you know, other people, uh, have an outsized <laughs> megaphone to express liberal ideas. When we do that, we express them in these very magical terms. And Something like the like Gabriel Bell standing up magically can change everyone's hearts. And I think that you prescribe a very real problem and then you give a very bullshit solution. See, well, and I don't I disagree that it would just it's not Gabriel Bell weaving magic. It's them seeing 
and being cognizant of the suffering of others that they were ignoring. But that's not a solution. It's the start of one. It would be a start, as <laughs> as he says in the show. I okay. You, I, it's because, a minor start. Okay. Well, so, that's where you got to start somewhere. You, okay, but I think caring about people is a good way to place to start. Now the but, second the second thing about that is then that because art has such an outsized role in American life and shapes not only the politics of the people who do art, but the people who love that art. Liberals tend to be, especially casual liberals and these sort of enclaves throughout America, seem to think that we have, that there's magical solutions to complicated problems because in TV shows, we've shown magical solutions to complicated problems. And that's why I think a show like The Wire is as good as it is. Sure. Is because it's it's about the messy solutions to complicated problems. And it, and it rolls its sleeves up and it shows you, like, Amsterdam sucks. That place is fucking hell. But it was the solution to this problem, you know. Right. So you see the, all of that and I... Well, I, I would argue... We, I wonder if we make these things too simple and... I, I don't think it's even... This isn't, there's no solutions offered. Gabriel Bell doesn't solve anything. Nobody says he solves it. It's a watershed moment because people start to see what happened. We don't, like like in the show, nobody gets the Employment Act But does that presume that people don't see the effects that hardened conservatives don't see homelessness? They just view it as as being the result of a different cause than we do. Right, well, that's why... It was set in a future 1990 from 1994 instead of the present. Even though it's so 90s, this episode, it's set in the future because they can project into the future. This is a future where people stop caring about other people for whatever reason. And maybe it's simplistic, but yeah, I mean, a lot of sci-fi is because that's how you get to the core of these metaphors you want to talk about. I think that... And I'll be the guy with the hobby horse towards simple solutions. Right. Like, that bothers me. And I I think it may be fundamental, but that that bothers me. I would like to see us, if if we're going to have... If, if we as political liberals are going to have an outsized voice in art, which is a great tool that we've been given. They've been given... Conservatives have been given an outsized voice in... Fear and anger. Gov, gov, government or and, 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 and business and in major enterprise. We get it in art. Yeah. And if we are going to waste that on not showing how hard solutions are, we may elect a person who we think is going to make our lives better. And when he encounters problems, we will criticize him for tripping over the problems instead of helping him push through those. And then eight years later, we'll be where we are because we didn't vote on off your elections and we didn't hold rallies to hold government because we didn't understand because we elected the magic man. Yeah. Well, and the magic man didn't fix anything like the movies told us it would. Yeah. Well, okay. You might be actually right, though. I'd even classically, I'd say maybe this is more Pollyannish than other Star Trek, even even though we give credit for Star Trek for being this utopian vision of the future. Before this, it wasn't that we saw a riot and people changed. It was, we had all-out nuclear war. Shit, yeah. mm-hmm. shit got torn down to the ground and we started from the floor back up. So And a legit better race of people or better race of aliens had to come down and fix us. Yeah, that too. Um, and I, I need to rewatch First Contact because, yeah. But also, I mean, the, the 
city on the edge of forever they had to kill that bitch and that bitch was a liberal that bitch was like a like a like they had to kill joan collins yeah, yeah, yeah. at the end of it because of the effects so i mean like yeah yeah i mean it, it, and so that's the only problem i have with this is that i don't obviously i don't want everything to be dark and brooding like the wire but they made this a special episode they didn't make this a smaller contained story where a message got through like in the way that i i think i compared it to the episode of cardassians about race right well issues. it didn't get through that, to you obviously but it got through <laughs> to some of us no it got through but i'm saying i'm saying that well it, it didn't I'm get, that, didn't I'm get through that they, to a it, place that hit you anywhere meaning but they made it a special episode so it had to like it already had me because it's screaming it now you have to sit here and watch them navigate it and it, it it's an issue it's Maybe it's an issue, but it is an issue that I have, is that I would like to see, we as liberals writing stories don't offer liberal solutions to the problems, we offer magic solutions. If people could just see, if the people in rural America that voted for Donald Trump could just see, if they could just learn, if they could see what we see, they will feel like we feel. And that's a dangerous, you feel dangerous thought. Like I feel. <laughs> And, 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 and I think that it, <laughs> it makes us hate them more when they don't. Yeah. It makes us, I mean, it, it's a problem. So that's, and that's a hobby horse. So I, I get it. Yeah. I get it. And it's a fine episode and it's better than. Better than fascination. Can't fascination. think we can all agree on that. Yeah, it's better. I'm not, I didn't call it the shittiest episode ever. <laughs> yeah. I'm rating it on a higher level. Sure, sure. No, I'm, it I, just fails at a higher level. I just level. want to get all our point of views in here. No, you're, it's valid. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know. But, but Hugh, do you, did you at least rate it more higher than fascination or yeah. you, you were the one that disliked it the most. Okay. Just, just, just double check it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's higher than fascination. I mean, it doesn't have the hilarious premise that Odo is a hunk, so it has that going against it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's way too little hunky Odo in this. So, yeah, this is probably going to be a long one. Um. Yeah, but we we owe it to our fans who we've let down. Yep. <laughs> well, or not, we don't owe you anything. <laughs> well, well, or if you think we do, give us a call. Nine one seven four. I can I consider Tin Rant a friend of mine. <laughs> okay, on a Twitter friend, and I I I feel like uh, I needed to let him have a voice and then respond to that voice. Right. So. so yeah, you know, if you have further ideas about past tense part two, just aired as you're listening to this. So feel free to give us more info or tell us more of what you think at nine one seven four zero eight three eight nine eight or email us message us on twitter or do you know all the stuff or message your friends on twitter tell them to listen or you know whatever ah, i don't want to tell you to do anything you do what you want except for weights or except yeah for oh Hugh. yeah yeah but uh Hugh, you have something else going on oh yeah well for those of you who uh didn't know that i make a weekly comic uh that you can find on the web at www.crimesagainsthughesmanities.tumblr.com it's a weekly web comic that I've been doing for seven years now. The first six of those years, it was a daily comic strip. The last year, I've I've cut back, and I've only been doing it once a week. And I've got a Patreon campaign to bring the comic strip back to a daily strip. And if you are interested, you could go to www.patreon.com backslash C-A-H-M for more details, but uh, there's something to check out if you like webcomics. So check it out.
I'd appreciate it. Your old pal, he would appreciate it. <laughs> I'm a patron. You can be too. We should we should have stuck these when you actually liked a fan favorite episode. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was just like, oh, we should yeah. have done this at the beginning. Maybe people tuned out by <laughs> now. Yeah, maybe. All right. That's, uh, that's a great... Past tense was great, folks. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great point. <laughs> well, on that note... Look, we, we'll change our opinions if you want to give Hugh money. Like, we're buyable. Right. You can buy me. I'm... Uh, yeah, if you become a patron, just for a dollar a month, you can leave all sorts of nasty comments about my opinions on Star Trek on my Patreon page, <laughs> and there's nothing I can do about it. So if we get about 1,100 of you to do that, we'd be in good shape. <laughs> all right. Well, for those of us uh, here at the Rules of Acquisition, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm. Read to beam out. That was fun. Do you know the cunt weasels that run this show have a call in line? where you can express your DS9 wishes and DS9 dreams into their ear holes. They will play them on air and try to be nice to you, because one day they hope to sell you Blue Apron snacks and underwear made out of Modal. The number is 917-408-3898. That number again is 917-408-3898. You will probably want to talk about how hot Dax and Bashir are. That is great. These pretentious asses also love it when people say they are wrong. So feel free to do that. James will probably go off on a knowingly obtuse rant about construction issues or political sophistication. We know you love that. Again 917-408-3898. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes.